0: Hi, this is megan ball
1: and this is brock lober
0: and you're listening to carrying into the void the podcast where we get together tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard and then try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that while possibly not positive will at least be productive how are you today brock
1: i'm just having a time uh yeah this comes out uh, the morning of the inauguration question mark mm. <laughs> where everything's gonna go fine not jinxing it because nothing bad has ever happened Huh? No. Uh, No. So, yeah, just uh, wherever I am right now, I'm hiding under a desk and trying to, uh, most assuredly, no matter what's happening, churn out three or four different news stories while managing a news team. It is just, I I at least like the days that I can mark in the calendar and be like, I'm going to be on fire and in a closet it's i just know that that day and i can put them in because my wife is a journalist will also inevitably be having the same day so sometimes we'll hide in the closet together while we turn to ash uh that has traditionally also been the days where i'm like i know that uh i have to go to the liquor store the night before uh and uh and even if we're going through a period of uh, sobriety that day will not be counting
0: uh so no yeah no, love it's... to look at it
1: and like it could even if it goes like swimmingly well it's like a celebration then and it's like woo i deserve champagne at noon and if it doesn't then woo i deserve champagne at noon uh so love <laughs> to just uh to, to all of our foreign friends uh i i hope that you're doing fine uh except for the fact that i know that this might impact you more than it does us uh depending on how things go because that's how the last Four years of work, so I I apologize, and I hope the best for all of us, except for those of you in New Zealand who have been uh, going out and getting haircuts and going to music festivals because you guys have kicked the disease's ass, and quite frankly, I've started unfollowing some of you because I just can't <laughs> handle being taunted for the mistakes of others. While I stay at home most days, I'm just like, I look, it's not my fault, and it's certainly not your fault in New Zealand for making it through, but also... Mm, i just can't i just can't anymore like bragging about getting a haircut or going being able to walk down the street and like go eat a donut around other people while somebody plays the guitar i'm just like i fuck your donuts i can't do this so yeah i have some chips on my shoulder
0: (laughs) yeah you should see like how much my roots have cut like like any good goth person i dye my hair black and so like the roots i can like tell the time based on how bad they are and my friend god bless her. Sent me a knitted hat for Christmas, and I can wear that to cover my shame when I have to go for my weekly, you know, grocery store thing. So the people in the shop right won't judge me. So
1: I like that you're like the rings of a tree, but for goth sadness.
0: It's really how it is. I tell you, all all of my friends who are like of the like punk goth like alternative persuasion who either have like undercuts or like dyed hair and stuff, we're all like in this miserable period where it's like. Our hair has gone just crazy, and we can't do anything to fix it, and if we dye it ourselves, it's going to get worse.
1: Everybody does look like that they age just like 10 years because all the color faded, and then it looks scraggly, and it just sort of looks like, I don't know, you you were still trying to be punk, but quite frankly, you're a mom with a couple of kids right now, you don't get out anymore. The kids are always making a mess. You haven't showered in a week. It's sweatpants all the time. Like getting getting the hair touched up isn't happening. Very, very tired. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like I am putting off the same energy, too, despite not having any
0: uh, frosted
1: tips as one would have.
0: It's hard to be punk rock during a pandemic. Uh,
1: The punk-demic will be better, which is when everyone uh, goes full punk for a year.
0: Yeah, no, that's the one I want. Uh,
1: We're just constantly rioting. Everyone has to put one brick through a Starbucks window and then we can go back to normal. That's all it takes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a wicker man, but for alternative music.
1: Bum springer. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, by the way, let's just do the bit of the show note. Uh, obviously, you are not Jordan. Jordan is I'm not, uh, somewhere I, out there. No. <laughs> We look. We would all be happier if we were Jordan, despite how unhappy Jordan is. Um, No, I, I I've reached the point where when we start firing up the show, I I I actively today without thinking about it, uh, sung somewhere out there from from <laughs> Fievel, from an American Tale. Like I, that is how much I, I I miss our good precious boy. I'm just like I, I so uh, underneath the same bright sky. I know he's working on a novel, and someday he's gonna come back. Uh, and in the interim. Uh, you and I are keeping this ship afloat, and it's it's a delight. And he has, uh, thankfully, approved of both early episodes, so all of our fears about not living up to the uh, the very very high standard of Jordan uh, seems alleviated. Although now that I've called attention to it, I'm sure this will be the one he doesn't like. Oh no! I I, I predict the note like uh, an at tweet that's just like, excuse me, I'm sad. What are <laughs> what are you telling people? Uh, and that'll be a fun back and forth. Uh, no, so Jordan will be back at some point. We are having a wonderful time here. We will keep this going. Uh, please pre-order copies of his book. That's what yes. he had to go out into the wasteland to finish, like a judge in Judge Dredd. So, like, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's keep it going. And please uh, support the most beautiful boy in the world. Anyway, what's your true. story for this week?
0: <laughs> I want to tell you a story about the Cottingley fairy hoax.
1: Cottingley fairy hoax.
0: Okay. And this is uh, a hoax that comes from. About the turn of the century, it's 1917 in Yorkshire in England, and it involves two cousins, Elsie Wright, who was 16 at the time, and Francis Griffith, who was 9 at the time. They created five photographs where they were depicting, like, being out in the woods with fairies. And people in England actually believed this was true. At the time, there was a lot of big... You know ideas about spiritualism and life after death, and about things that you didn't know beyond the veil, because this was about the end of the Victorian era. So people were really, really believed that these these two girls took pictures with fairies. Okay. So it's it's an interesting story, and the pictures when you look at them, I mean, I'm, we're looking at them from images of 2021, where we, you know, have to deal with like. Weird Photoshop things and figuring out if something's correct or not, so we can tell. This something's... isn't
1: the best face face swap deep fake that we've ever seen.
0: <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But for the time, people were like, "Holy shit!" Um, like photography because how f- could you see a
1: photograph that you didn't believe, which is something that is carried forward till now for a percentage of the population. So yes,
0: yeah, it's true. But home photography was very, very new, so um, people were kind of like, "Well, how would you fake such a thing?" Which you know, fair enough. What they had actually done is they took um, cutouts from a folklore book they had, traced them, and um, cut them out. And then they, like, posed with them, which is a really fabulous way of doing it, like, A-plus to them. But people went crazy for this, including medical doctor and author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy behind Sherlock yes, Holmes.
1: yes. He couldn't crack the case of the fairies. Oh, my God. He <laughs>
0: believed this wholeheartedly. Um, and he was big into like seances and stuff, which is crazy to think about when you think of Sherlock Holmes as the most pragmatic character in maybe all of literature, and his author is going to seances like every Saturday night.
1: You know what? I've I've always I've always liked that part of it because I feel like that, that just gave him balance. Like that that tracks like if I'm gonna be this like data from next generation, just this, this Spock, just this cold hard logical thing absolutely live it up elsewhere dude like that's the only way to balance that out
0: yeah and it's well because he was also really good friends with um harry houdini and when harry houdini died the
1: number of scripts i had to read about that in hollywood where people were like it's their team up buddy thing where they go solve like a a Lovecraft monster thing together. I'm just like, please, 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 please. It, like, but also it makes me want just one of those movies to really exist and break through so that everyone gives up the trope. Yeah. As fun as it is, as as much fun as I want that, or any movie where H.P. Lovecraft is actually the name of a hard-boiled detective who winds up having to solve... A Lovecraft thing, which at least, you know what? Actually, that's happened in a dozen different movies and more properties. So, like, I guess we're not going to kill the trope anytime soon. Never mind. I would like to see one that's done well and we can move on.
0: <laughs> I know. It's always them are like Nikola Tesla. And it's like, you guys realize these people were real, right? Like, we have evidence of the stuff they did. We don't need to make Hollywood movies. We can make like documentaries and stuff instead. But Hollywood is a special Look, I've, place. <laughs> I've done an
1: unending bit in stand up for the last year and a half about some sort of buddy adventure between kanye west and elon musk especially when they like hold hands and move to mars together and like oh my God. kanye's divorce just makes it even more like i'm so sure that it would work now but i'm more sure that like the generation under us would absolutely write that like fiction like barely knowing who either person is <laughs> like yeah th- were they superheroes were they detectives we don't know but everyone knew their names
0: that and, and jeffrey star you can throw that into there too I hate that I know that. I hate that I've had to learn that. Wow,
1: you are, you are, I can't believe that you know that. I You don't watch movies, but at least Twitter has brain poisoned you enough that you know <laughs> that conspiracy. I love it. Well done. I, I never know what you're going to bring to the table here.
0: <laughs> I can't watch movies because I'm literally refreshing Twitter 23 hours a day. It is a sickness <laughs> and I need to seek help. But for right now... It is the only window I have to any of the friends that I have and like the outside world. So I'll take what I can get. And actually, I think I learned that on Instagram, which is even a worse place to go. So I know it's it's terrible. But anyway, back to these fairies, because this is amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So speaking of Arthur Conan Doyle, he actually wrote about this in The Strand, which is the um, newspaper or magazine, I should say, that Sherlock Holmes was sold in. So he actually, like, went to the editors and said, hey, I want to write a special edition about fairies. And the editors were like, sure. And then it sold out immediately. Like, everyone was like, hell yeah, this is the best thing ever. Now, once it got wider um, readership, people started looking at it a little bit more closely and being like, hmm, I'm not entirely sure that this is, you know, what it says it is. They had people who were, like, specialists in photography they had people who were specialists in like art. Like one artist um, looked at them and said, "Oh, those fairies have very fashionable modern hairstyles, don't they?" As if to say, like, there's no possible way this could be true. If it was, they wouldn't be dressed like modern ladies. Which, fair enough. I, I encourage everyone listening to go look up these images. Um, just Google in like Cottingley fairies. They're black and white. The girls are like in their kind of like regular like day dresses. And the fairies are, like, posed with them. And I can see easily how the Victorians could have been like, oh, yeah, that's wild. That, I totally believe that. But from modern eyes. And,
1: and the children are, like, two, two girls dressed up it's,
0: that it's, have done this? Yeah, it's two girls. Um, and the reason they did this is because they kept coming home covered in dirt and everything like that. And they had to keep getting, like, their dresses mended and stuff. And their, their uh, mothers were both very angry. And so they said, we're playing with fairies. And the mother's like, sure you are. So they took the photog- the, their father's photography equipment, went into the forest, did all this stuff, brought it back to their parents and said, look, we have proof. And instead of grounding them, their parents believed them completely and took it to the papers.
1: There's so many good parts about this, starting with the children figured out how to time-lapse photography and then develop it, which is a top-notch. But B, like, I love the idea that in an effort to prove that the dog ate your homework, you (laughs) accidentally scammed all of England and the creator of Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) And no one ever came back.
0: (laughs) I mean, by the time this kind of died down around 1920, most people thought it was fake. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle went to his grave believing this was true, though. But he believed a lot of things, bless him. But yeah, they they actually... um, until the day they died, one of them never recanted. One of them said, this is what happened. This is true. One of the other girls later in her life said, you know, this is what I remember, but it could be fake. So neither of them really went on the record saying, we made this up. And both of them died in about the um, the 70s and the 80s.
1: You invented the first deep fake, and then you, like, never faced cancellation. Truly incredible. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah. I- it's it's just such an interesting story and the fact that they they thought about this they 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 did all the work to to make all these things they did the pictures and it went all over england and then they kept it going like they didn't go like oh i'm in my 30s now i have children you know i'm going to give a, a an interview to in the newspaper and and come clean they really didn't do that they actually in fact sent letters back um one of the women um, spent some time in Africa when she was younger and she wrote back to a friend of hers at the time it's funny I used to see them in Africa um, but I guess it's too hot for you guys to take pictures of them and so like Why? they just kept it going you know it it, it was their quote-unquote claim to fame even though it really didn't make either of them very rich or anything like that um, it was just a weird like I don't want to say meme, because it wasn't really a meme, but everyone in England, it was like the the blue dress, white dress kind of thing. Like, everyone was talking about it. It was the hot story of the day. No one could figure out what it was. And they played that for a good few years. So It's, um, it's one of those
1: things that, like, it's unfathomable to me, because, like, if I've been caught in a lie, I'll have a stomach ache hearing any of the words associated with it for the rest of my life. Like, I will immediately recant, yeah. explain why it was I made such a terrible mistake, and then just live with a dark, like, coal patch inside of me. Wow, there's been a lot of psychic damage just over the course <laughs> of you reading your story. We have, we have gone to some places that I don't love. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize now for everything I brought up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I do have a carry into the void moment to close this segment out for us. You are not just some mere curiosity. You are more than just some trinket. They seek to diminish you and your importance. They are so used to seeing what they want. They cannot fathom how rare you actually are. They cannot believe you shine so brightly, on purpose, not through artifice or guile. They are used to cheap monuments to false gods, brittle bones and brittle smiles. Your smile, wide and sharp, could only be fake, they say. Nothing like you could exist, could it? They aren't used to the real thing, and you are more real than they will ever be. You are technicolor in a world of tintypes. You are a piece of grit that turns into a pearl. You are the spark that will burn their whole world down.
1: I like that. Look at you hitting your stride. This is fun.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Well, what do you have to maybe hopefully mitigate some of these psychic damage that was all those words I just said?
1: Uh, So today I'm going to talk to you about mantle diamonds. So this is a fascinating thing that has only come about in the last couple of years. And part of it came uh, from the 2018 uh, soccer games in Brazil, uh, because that brought a bunch of scientists from South American countries and European countries together uh, around a patch where uh, a lot of debris and stuff from lower in the earth sort of raises and or there is sort of a a thinner direct line from the crust of the earth down much further. And and for for centuries now, like there's been a lot of theoretical work done on like what exists in the mantle and the core and stuff. And that's one of those things that we can go back a thousand years and, and we all know that Dwarves live down there mining things or ghosts live there. or That's where hell is, whatever happens. And so even as late as the mid 80s, we were still just sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall as to what might be down there because no one had giant drill machines to go look at it. And uh, so we sort of depend on things not getting dug into from the top, but rather things from the bottom surfacing. And so every once in a while we have sort of fissures and 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 some things will come up. And basically, uh, what this group of scientists stumbled on was uh, thousands of tiny diamonds. And the diamonds look like shit. They're raggedy as hell. They look like they've been through like a washing machine and beaten up in a dryer a couple of times like somebody was trying to money launder them. And so people were like, okay, it's, it's a bunch of these weird little diamonds. What are they? And they started looking at them, and they are from uh, the mantle of the Earth. And basically, you get far enough down, and you run into uh, sorts of diamonds and features that are, are sort of made by the the crushing uh, pressure, and those are called wadslites. Um, but if you go much further into that, in something called the transition zone, uh, the transition zone, you end up with something called ringwoodites. And basically, what they found is that these diamonds, uh, if they're sort of melted down, they turn into water. Like, they don't contain water, but if you melt them down, they turn into water, and essentially what they learned was that um, rocks on the surface of the planet uh, have about 1% water, and these diamonds further down into the mantle, uh, they contain about 3% water. So the Earth is, uh, it is like 1% of the Earth's mass uh, is the crust, and something like 7% of the Earth's mass is this is in this transition zone in the mantle so essentially we have hints that there is enough water for several dozen times the total amount of oceans that we have on the planet just in that in that layer of the earth it's this idea it's it's one of those things like finding water on the moon but we found it in droves uh in middle earth uh, which is a very interesting thing to process because also like as we look to like our planet dying it's like, well, where are we going to get clean water when it's all ruined? And it's like, I don't know, if if we get down there, uh, maybe we have everything that we need. And the the transitional layer is actually from 410 kilometers uh, under the surface to 666 kilometers. So uh, right at the, at the Devil's <laughs> Transition Zone, uh, that's that's the end of our secret oceans down there, which uh, it, it, it's been found that actually the stuff that gets closer to the bottom uh, contains... Uh, contains less water and more something that is a variation on ice that science calls, and I'm not making this up, Ice 7. What? (laughs) Ice, V-I-I, Ice 7, yeah. Like, that's, it's the most, like, Neuromancer, William Gibson, fake-ass, like, thing. Like, yeah, yeah, I was on the streets and I was selling some Ice 7, traded it for Ice 4. It's less of a good high, but, you know, it's cheaper. And it's just like, all right, so you got Ice 7 down there.
0: That just sounds like the type of K-pop band of someone would be like, stan I 7 in like a viral tweet, like 30 comments down or something. Oh my god.
1: It is good that the Ice7 fans have found Mike Pompeo's Twitter and just keep bombarding him. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, there's a big part of it that's like, it is both like crushed into diamonds, but also that these diamonds, like part of what is allowing the water to hide there is that there's like more space within all the molecules. So it's, it's sort of that this all hides in the empty spots uh, way down in the darkness. So uh, here is today's carrying into the void. Vacuous, empty, gapped, uncertain, hold instead of whole. They see you for the spaces in between, but don't understand that your vastness is unending. And what you contain holds multitudes of volume they could never fathom. Under the right conditions, you can spread, and they'll bear witness to your expanse. Look at you, an ocean. Look at you, the pool with no bottom. Look at you, wowzers! I had no idea. While the others wouldn't think to look for you all the way down here, the rest of us did. Those who know the pressure forms and the most complicated aversions, beautiful and camouflaged works of all. Sometimes you just got to shove it all down inside. But when it compacts, it only grows into a scale and form that will cause necks to twist when your fullness envelops this plane. Flood us with your secrets. Drown them in greatness. Come, sail away.
0: Wow, that was amazing.
1: I don't work in enough sticks lyrics, uh, and really I've <laughs> got to get back to that.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you said it, because that was going to be my next comment. <laughs> oh, no, that was really good, though.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have any sort of self-care you've been doing lately to get through things?
0: Yeah, I've been watching a lot of live stream concerts because I'm dead inside otherwise. And I like having even just a modicum of that feeling of being at a show. So I've watched Thursday during the holidays so I could cry a little. Mm -hmm. I watched Frank Turner. I watched the Menzingers, And a Swedish metal band I like called Avatar is doing one every weekend in January So, like, it's nice to have something to look forward to, it's nice to have something to, like, kind of, to get live music again from, even though it's watching it on a screen, but I still find it to be really, like, good escapism, like, a good place to just, like, rest for a minute, I'm not looking at my phone, I'm not worried about stuff, I'm just kind of focused on the show, so, if there's a band, you, like, look them up and see if they're doing any live streams, because... It's worth the money, a. It it keeps them going. You know. Please make sure you're buying music and buying merch from your favorite bands right now because they need it. But also, it's a good way to show support, and it's a good way just to hear them again. You know, if they, if they're your favorite band, you want to hear them. So you might as well give them a Google and see if they're doing a live stream. Because I heartily recommend it.
1: The Thursday live stream had my favorite opening to a video concert I've ever seen, which was that the lead singer was sitting backstage at a back in a back in a back room uh, somewhere in a warehouse. Uh, and he was just directly addressing the camera while he's sitting on a couch, and he's like, "So here's the story about like how us and our other friend bands we used to tour, and we always tried to like race home during the holidays, uh, and that always meant like trying to cross the country in a day or two, we usually through a snowstorm, and we nearly died in one. So we just sort of made a pact: we'll all spend the holidays together from now on instead of being crazy." And as he's telling the story, he's sort of walking with the camera, and you're walking through this warehouse. Uh, you know, it's all their equipment and stuff. It's definitely like some storage unit somewhere in new jersey uh and then all of a sudden the camera gets really close to him and as it does so he screams and the camera spin pans and you realize that you are on stage with the full band entering the first song of the set and i fell i fell off of a couch seeing it happen because he's just doing this very soft-spoken intro about friendship and all of a sudden, we were in a concert in a place where I didn't understand that we were even looking at a venue. And I was just like, that's the best thing I've ever seen.
0: They're so good.
1: Because also, it was like a nine-minute monologue. And like if you messed up any part of that, you had to start over again because there were no cuts. And then all of a sudden, like, I was like, okay, that's, uh, that's like the movie Birdman. Let's just do no cuts here. Like I, I, Just what a piece of art for something that they absolutely didn't have to do for a concert live stream that a few thousand people will see.
0: No, they always have, I saw their live stream concert back in like, it was like April or May or something like that, as was early part of the summer, and it was quality. They had like crazy good filming, they did like new filming techniques, they like changed locations every so often, like absolute quality. They're like, like I don't want to say it's like the pinnacle of live stream concerts because A, I hope these are not something that stays around and we can go back to, you know, concerts in a, in a a in a bit. Um, but they really like went all out. Like they didn't have to go as hard as they did. And I appreciate the fact that they did.
1: So uh, hilariously, my self-caring is your self-caring as well. Not the concert part, um, but looking forward to things. Uh, It is a piece of advice that Viv's therapist brought up. And I think maybe our couples therapist did at some point. Anyway, it it was tied into live streams, but it was based in this like, hey, it's been a year and no one has anything to look forward to anymore, which like at the start of all this, I was like, hey, no one wrote about like an apocalypse where it just winds up being that every every week you start taking more and more events off your calendar until there's nothing in your calendar Uh, and i think somebody was like actually ursula le guin did and i was like okay well then that's on me for not knowing that one uh but yeah our therapist was like yeah people don't have things to look forward to so even putting something dumb in the calendar like i via live stream my dog saw his first 311 live stream last night it's fine i'm fine and comfortable with still being a fan of 311, it's fine. Leave me alone. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just like, oh, just having something to look forward to so that like, hey, it's not just doom like It's not us putting on the worst reality shows imaginable until it's time for bed while drinking. Yeah, having anything to look forward to at this point is nice. So like all of our like Zoom hangouts with friends, those ebb and flow. Like some weeks I'm just like, I don't have it in me to just hang out and chat with eight people. Like what are we going to even talk about? Yeah, to have something because like there aren't even like movie releases anymore. There's no reason to go to the theater like I. So, yeah, uh, find a way to have something to look forward to, even if it's something that you make up for yourself. Uh, been doing more of that this week for me, even just setting like this is the time where I'm going to work on this book project thing. Uh, and just knowing like at that time I will start doing that. Uh, and it prevents me from spiraling into a nothingness of time sink. Uh So it's it's been working for me and it's clearly been working for you
0: it's good to have something that grounds you because I feel like the days can mush together so quickly and like, you don't know. I don't know what today is. Is it Thursday? Is it Monday? I don't have any idea what day it is, but having something that grounds me to a time and a place is incredibly important and also incredibly hard right now. Cause again, like you said, there's nothing to look forward to. There's, there's no events going on. There's no, Oh, I'm going to go to, you know, my friend's game night on Thursday. There's no, Oh, this band's coming around. So to have something that even if it's just a live stream concert or like a standing thing you have with your friends, or even just like, hey, I'm gonna watch a TV show and the date's actually on instead of watching it on on demand two days later. You know, it's just something that you can put in your right. calendar so you know today is Wednesday, it's at five o'clock. You know, you you just like it. Just is so hard. You know, just time is hard right now.
1: Time is hard. That's the name of our other podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, yeah. Where every
1: week we manage to not record because we're in different time zones. Yeah. Time is imaginary, lunchtime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Do you have anything you'd like to lift up this week?
0: I do. Um, it's also music focused. I don't know why I, this kept, keeps happening to me. But one of the things that have been getting me through this is Laura Jane Grace's new album. Yes. Uh, it's called Still Alive. It is absolutely brilliant. She's the late singer of Against Me and um, Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. She is an incredible musician, incredible artist. Um, and it's the thing that I listen to almost every single day. And it really does help. So I encourage everyone to go pull it up on Spotify and just sit back, you know, don't play with your phone, just kind of sit back and sink into it and listen to the album. It, it really is helping. I, I think that like, I want to just, like, hug her and be like, thank you so much for making this album because it's everything that I'm feeling right now, and it's so cathartic. So I I heartily suggest that everyone just go and try it out, and you'll love it. I promise.
1: I have seen Against Me so many years of my life, like, at least one year, like, every year since, like, I was in high school. Uh, I, I, I definitely played a baby uh, – I'm an anarchist at a high school talent show, uh, and no <laughs> one knew what the fuck was going on there, which – in retrospect, yes, I don't know what I was hoping for. I even quoted uh, that at the start of this episode here with the Starbucks brick. So, like, there we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember friends who had long been fans uh, who a few years ago, as as things in the world's life changed, uh, were like, I'm not sure what that's going to do to the sound of the band. Which, first of all, I was like, fuck you. Like, that's not the primary concern. Uh, but it has been awe-inspiring to me to see the work that she's done in the last few years like watching a person achieve their true form and the way that that has come out in the music, but also like if she was an angry person before with some angst to take out on the world, uh, boy, there's more now. And just like, sometimes it's just incredible to dip into that, into that vein in the earth's core and be like, "Mm, give me, give me some of what she's having. Like, I just want to live in some of her most recent albums just forever.
0: Mm, It's so true. She's incredibly talented. And I'm so happy that she's in a place where she feels comfortable with herself and she's still making great music. And she put out an Mm -hmm. album in quarantine. Like, I don't know who these musicians are who took quarantine and they're like, ah, yes, I will make my magnum opus. Like Taylor Swift and I had very different quarantines, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, most recently, Paul McCartney did. uh, And uh, let's just say it's not the uh, magnum opus.
0: Well, that's Paul McCartney. He hasn't had magnum opus since like 1989 or something. So, and I say that as someone who really likes the Beatles and grew up, the Beatles were one of my first albums. So, but that doesn't mean that the quality can sustain for like 50 plus years. Yeah, no, it just, there's some musicians who put out some really crazy good stuff, this quarantine, and I love them for it. And I want to know their secrets and how they can be <laughs> productive because I spent my quarantine sitting around in sweatpants being unable to read a novel <laughs> and they went and either wrote novels or did albums and like my guitars are gathering dust, like everything's just terrible. And they're like, Ah yes, this this is my time. I will I will make the best thing I ever have made. And I'm just like, God damn it.
1: <laughs> my uh my little lift up into the world this week is that um wherever you are in the world, I'm sure you have some form of this, and in the United States, I can tell you by your city who it is. Um, this is a great week, uh, and geez, this whole time is. Uh, and this isn't from a selfish place uh in any way uh it is mostly from watching people in other cities doing this but uh this is a great time to support your local alternative journalism because there is something that journalism has gotten to do this year uh where mainstream journalism is starting to do what um what British journalism has been doing for the last few years, which is that it has tried to go so centrist as to not be criticized for having any political bias that it winds up really. Leaning right at the end of the day, uh, and we've reached the point where it has become nearly impossible for people to call out a lie or talk about things in terms that would like reflect what people believe without people thinking like, oh, that's unbalanced, uh, what have you. Like it is, it has truly been the the venom of the last couple of years to watch people that are like, the headline here in the Washington Post is um, Donald Trump says COVID is gone. Period. Some scientists disagree, period. It's like, no, you can just say uh, that thing uh, is bullshit uh, and you should be able to do so. And alt publications uh, like the one that I run uh, have been able to do that in a way that we would never we never print a word that is untrue. uh, But we're also allowed to do a bit of editorializing to represent like what truth is. And I don't know when that became like a rebellious act, uh, but it's it's important to be there. Um, we were the only publication in our city that said during the the protests, like, you know, um, black lives matter, because everyone else was like, wow, that's such a stance. And now the Kansas City Star, which is our long running giant, our Washington Post, our, our big gray lady, uh, had to do a reckoning a few weeks ago, where they sat down to reevaluate the racist history of their coverage over the last 100 years, and then came out of it being like, actually we're going to say things like black lives matter is like all right welcome to the party guys but that means that that alt journalism is doing that but also uh alt journalism has no money uh because alt journalism depends on local businesses for advertising and there are no local businesses anymore so all of us are like scraping together from change in the couch uh which has come to something of a head uh this week in something that i wasn't even going to bring up but has been uh pretty uh front and center in my brain which is that um I am on a, an email chain with the other editors and ownership of the other papers across the United States that um, that are of this scale that are alt publications. Um, and we started putting in, for the sake of discount, a group order uh, for gas masks and bulletproof vests, uh, oh, not just Christ. for our journalists and photographers, but also just for people working in our offices. It is almost too little too late because, like, I have a photographer that was shot with rubber bullets during the protests by police uh, and was gas, gassed, gassed something like eight or nine times. And this was all in an area outside of uh, the Cheesecake Factory in our city. That's where the cops chose to start deploying what they would deploy. So, like, it's already been a year where we should have done this before it has been a tough, scary time sometimes. And as it gets scarier and scarier, I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to put the call out in those channels, but it is one of those things. It's like, I don't get a tax deduction buying a bulletproof vest right now, but I, I know that for my family and my safety, I, I guess I kind of need to cause that's what we're going into. So I, I'm one of hundreds and hundreds of people working in that field this week that knows that it's their job to go out and cover these things in real life because that's what we signed up for. Uh, and uh, some of us thought that we were signing up to cover uh, local culture, restaurants, art gallery openings, and instead uh, are having to do sort of the sort of prep that you do in a war zone. And you're like, okay, well, uh, you've been called to the big leagues. You're going to need a helmet and a bat to get there, and we're not giving you the money for those. So uh, it's the best of luck out there. So, uh, you know, if you have a couple bucks to throw at the people locally that are – and they don't have to be alts. They don't have to be small, like – Every, everybody in journalism is hurting on any scale. So even your local big boys, if they're if they're doing the work, like maybe chip in and help, because I can't think of a time in America that like uh, things have been worse for people around journalism and uh, at a time where uh, people telling the truth has mattered more. Um, and it's uh, it's very hard to uh, to look for that. And I imagine that the same thing is sort of true in the world right now. It's not like we haven't lived in uh, the better part of a decade now of fighting weird versions of fake news and disinformation and whatever has happened on the internet to poison all of our ants brains. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know here we are and it feels, uh, feels exceptionally dire and I'm, I'm trying to keep my head up on it and just think that like, we're, we're all going to make it through. And at least that's the one thing I can always do at the end of the day, I can be depressed about my situation and those people that I love, but I have to hope that as a whole, something good comes from everything that we do. And I, I, I do pretty good at sticking to that. So I just want everybody to do their best. You know, it's it's really hard to write your essay in school if you can't afford a pencil uh, and yeah. no one's out there trying to provide your pencil and actively people are, are running around uh, breaking pencils and throwing them at you. So I don't yeah. know. Odd time in history. Really interesting. Uh, it would be important to fund the people that are actually writing the history. So
0: yeah, no, I, I think you bring up a good point. I think if you enjoy something, if you read it a lot or listen to it a lot, throw the money Like, it doesn't matter if it's a newspaper or a musician or a podcast, just the people who are doing these things, especially if they're smaller, a few dollars can be the difference between keeping the lights on.
1: You're you're right. This basically sums up, you've summed up this entire segment of the show where instead of constantly bringing up individual patreons we should just be saying whatever you're liking right now give that money (laughs) support that thing to continue existing because there's so little to like right
0: now yeah like i go out you know get takeout from your favorite restaurant you know you want to make sure that these places are still around for when you can go back to them you know if you like a a local newspaper or a local radio station or a local anything you know musician venue whatever like buy the t-shirt give them some money sign up for the patreon and do your part because if you like something that someone is doing and they have a tip jar, please put some money into it. You know, it, it's it's the right thing to do.
1: And also it needn't be money. Like a, you, you would not believe how much somebody will appreciate a DM or an email yes. that just says like, hey, I've been enjoying this. Uh, yeah. You would not believe the number of creators that the only feedback you get is from lunatics or people being mean. And and everyone that really enjoys it just never says anything.
0: It's so true. This is
1: not to say that you have to support Oli with with money, but there is a way to put good into the world right now. And uh, boy, I can tell you how many days that saves me.
0: We have a thing in the book world uh, in publishing where it's like, please leave a review. You know, if you, if you read it, if you liked it, if you didn't like it, just leave a review because it, it brings more eyes to a thing. It puts you up higher in, like, search results. And leaving a review is free. You know, it doesn't have to be a magnum opus. It doesn't have to be a book report. Just a few <laughs> lines being like, oh, I really like this. I thought it was really good and it was very funny. That's all you need to do. And sometimes that's enough.
1: In fact, please don't make it a magnum opus. It yeah. becomes too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, I think I think you're right that at the end of the day, if, if you like that what they're doing, drop them a note. Let them know. Shoot them a very nice email. Shoot them a nice DM. Big fan art, like just do something that they know that they're being recognized for. And, you know, sometimes that just keeps someone going.
1: You know, I'm, I'm going to take our own advice and I'm about to go uh, re- review every podcast I listen to just by leaving a uh, 69 period, nice period uh, on all of them. <laughs> uh, but also, I feel like we've just done a 12 minute segment where we have been doing an NPR pledge drive. And so we really need to round this out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's too funny. Well, thank you all for listening. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time in the void. Bye. Bye.